the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever near. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh of the Gospel Defender Ministries. The message that you are about to hear will encourage and equip all. Have ears to hear to be Christians. Clothed with the armor of a Gospel Defender. Ladies and gentlemen, those who major in biblical prophecy tell us that there are more than 300 Old Testament prophecies concerning the first coming of the Christ, and that there are 500 concerning the second coming. Each of the 300 Old Testament prophecies referring to his first coming was made several hundred years before the Christ was actually born. A French mathematician calculated that the odds of one man fulfilling only 40 of those prophecies are 1 in 10 to the power of 157. That is a 1 followed by 157 zeros. The odds of winning your state lottery is about 1 in 14, followed by 6 zeros. In other words, if you miss the point, you have a better chance of winning the state lottery than a person has in fulfilling the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. Another mathematician claims that the odds of fulfilling only 60 of these prophecies by the person who claimed to be the Son of God, who died on a tree at Calvary, and who rose the third day are astronomical. One out of ten to the 895th power or 1 out of 10 with 895 zeros following it. It is not possible for us to consider all of the prophecies in the Word of God concerning the Christ in a short broadcast such as this. Because this is the time of year when most people have more interest in Christ than at any other time, except perhaps at the annual observance of His resurrection, 
It is an appropriate time for us to be reminded of what the Bible says regarding His birth and how it fulfilled specific prophecies. And so at this time, let us look at a few of the prophecies that foretold His first coming. We begin by noting that it was prophesied that He would be of the seed of a woman. You do not have to open your Bible and go very far before you read the first prophecy regarding the birth of Christ. It is the first prophecy recorded in the Word of God. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Of course, this is God's pronouncement to the subtle serpent in the garden in Eden, following Adam's and Eve's transgression. The Apostle Paul refers to this event in Galatians 4.4. 4. When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Were it not for another very important prophecy, we might not be sure that Jesus was the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. God knew that there would be skeptics who would question and doubt whether or not it was really Jesus of Nazareth who was the real seed of Genesis 3.15. So he had Isaiah pronounce an even more precise prophecy in Isaiah 7 verse 14 that would identify who this seed of the woman is. He would be the seed of a virgin. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. The only virgin woman and the only baby called Emmanuel born to a virgin in the word of God, from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, are Mary and Jesus. Indeed, she is the only virgin in the history of the world to have given birth to a child. She is called a virgin in Luke 1, verse 27. The virgin's name was Mary. In Matthew's record of the birth of Christ, he cites this specific prophecy of Isaiah as being fulfilled through Mary. Since both Isaiah and Matthew wrote as they were guided by the influence of the Holy Spirit, we choose to believe their record rather than the long-winded refutations offered by ivory tower scholars. It may be difficult to understand how all of this happened, but it is not difficult to accept by faith. Even Paul admitted that the incarnation of God in Jesus was a great mystery. He wrote in 1 Timothy 3, verse 16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. To those who would charge Christians as being foolish or gullible for believing this doctrine, we reply, We are not nearly as foolish to believe that there is a God who can incarnate himself as you are to believe there is no God but the God of evolution, and that mythical unproven God evolved man out of a primordial sludge. If their God can evolve a man from a monkey, then our God can implant his holy seed 
into a virgin's womb. That this virgin is Mary, and the seed of this woman is Jesus of the Christ, is clear when we consider his ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Speaking to Abraham in Genesis 22, verse 18, the angel of the Lord said, In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Again, it is the Apostle Paul who makes it unequivocally clear that the angel of the Lord was speaking of Jesus. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Not only was Abraham the ancestor of Jesus, but also was Isaac. Concerning Isaac, God said to Abraham, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Not only was Abraham and Isaac the ancestors of Jesus, but also was Jacob. Moses wrote in Numbers 24, verse 17, I see him but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. This star that would come out of Jacob is the bright and morning star of Revelation 22, verse 16. Jesus of Nazareth. This scepter that would rise out of Israel is the scepter of righteousness, that is the scepter of his kingdom, according to Apostle Paul in Hebrews 1, verse 9. Enlisting the genealogy of Jesus in Luke 3, Luke wrote in verse 34 that Jesus was the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham. The prophecies spoken to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were fulfilled in Jesus. But not only was Jesus the seed of a woman and the descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he was also the heir of David. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 132, verse 11, The Lord swore in truth to David, I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body, through the lips of Jeremiah, the Lord spoke to the shepherds who destroyed and scattered his sheep of his pasture. The days are coming that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. That branch of righteousness is described by the great prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, the child who is spoken of by Isaiah in Isaiah 9, 6, whose name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, is the child who was to sit upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. Who is this child? Who is the fruit of David's body who would do this? Listen to the first verse 
of the first chapter of Matthew, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Listen to the inspired testimony of Paul in Romans 1.3. His son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Listen to the preaching of the Apostle Paul to the men of Israel in the synagogue of Antioch in Pisidia. And when God had removed Saul, the son of Kish, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will from this man's seed. According to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. Who was this branch of righteousness? Who was it who would rule over a kingdom? Luke writes that it is Jesus who was the seed of a woman. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. The baby born to Mary is no longer a baby, but is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, who now sits on the throne of David the right hand of God, ruling over the eternal kingdom of God, the church. Not only are people involved in the prophecies surrounding the birth of Christ, but also is the place. It was prophesied that the Christ would be born in Bethlehem. In the Old Testament book of Micah, the prophet spoke, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. We are told by both Matthew and Luke that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, just as Micah had prophesied. The hand of God is seen in all of this. It was no accident that Bethlehem was where the Christ was born. Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, was from that city and was required to go there with Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus, to be registered as it was decreed by Caesar Augustus. But it wasn't Caesar Augustus that determined the birthplace of the Christ. It was God. The name Bethlehem means the house of bread, and it would be in Bethlehem that the bread of life would be brought into the world. Jesus said of himself in John 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. The world always has and the world always will hunger and thirst to be reconciled with God. Even those who do not know that they hunger and thirst for this reconciliation actually do, as seen in their unending search for that something that never 
seem to be found in this world. Until Jesus was born, there were many babies born in Bethlehem. Since Jesus was born, there have been many more babies born in that city. But there was only one baby born in the house of bread, who was the bread of life. He was Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. It is little wonder that among the prophecies regarding this Christ child, the Word of God speaks of his adoration. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 72, verses 9 through 11, Those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him, and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts. Yes, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. When Jesus was born, Luke says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The angels praised God, and the shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, did the same. After they came to Bethlehem and saw him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child, and then returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told them. Later, wise men from the east came to Mary and Joseph's home in Nazareth, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The battle between the forces of evil and the forces of righteousness were evident soon after the birth of Christ. So severe and potentially dangerous was this battle that it led to Jesus' family taking their flight to Egypt. Herod was intent on destroying Christ, and Joseph was told by an angel of the Lord about it in a dream. Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Herod's hatred of Christ was no surprise to God. It had been prophesied by Hosea that Christ would be taken to Egypt for his safety. Hosea's prophecy said, Out of Egypt I called my son. There was no room for Jesus in the inn. There was no room for Jesus in Nazareth. And there was no room for Jesus in the heart of Herod. Let's face it, ladies and gentlemen. There is no room for Jesus in most rooms. School rooms, court rooms, congressional rooms, or the rooms of many homes, even in the rooms of some church buildings. There is no room for Jesus. There is no room for his doctrine. There is no room for his word. Jesus has mostly been unwanted by most people. The day will come when people will want to make room for him, but then it will be too late.
Because of his not being wanted, it was prophesied, and it came to pass that there was a slaughter of the innocents. Jeremiah prophesied in Jeremiah 31, verse 15. A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children, because they are no more. Matthew referred to Jeremiah's prophecy in Matthew 2, verse 18. After King Herod put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. It seems to be a paradox that the birth of the Prince of Peace resulted in the slaughter of innocent children. But listen to the Prince of Peace himself. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. The birth of Christ enraged Herod then, and the preaching and teaching of Christ's gospel enrages people today who are from Herod's mold. The gospel still ignites hatred and battles. Perhaps the greatest battle of all within what is called Christendom is what, if anything, is required for a man, woman, boy, or girl to receive salvation. Listen to the Prince of Peace. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. That statement from the Prince of Peace divides a lot of people within Christendom. We must address one more prophecy in relationship to the account of the birth of Christ and the events relating to it. It is the prophecy that said that he would be called a Nazarene. When Jesus returned to his home in Nazareth, Matthew says, that it was, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. This must have been a well-known prophecy regarding the Messiah. For we read in John 1 verse 45 that Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. The reason Jesus was called a Nazarene was not because of his membership in a denomination by that name, but because it is the name of the city from whence he came. If he had come from Jerusalem, he would have been called Jesus the Jerusalemite. If he had come from New York, he would have been called Jesus the New Yorker. But because he was from Nazareth, he was called Jesus the Nazarene. Ladies and gentlemen, we have looked at some of fulfilled prophecies relating to the birth of Christ, but we cannot conclude this message without considering one additional prophecy yet to be fulfilled. There is one more coming of the Lord. That day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Israel was eagerly anticipating the first coming of the Messiah, but was unwilling to accept him when he did come. The world today is not all that concerned about his next coming. It surely isn't looking for it, but it will happen.
The question is, will you be ready for him by obeying his gospel? There's a battle going on for the souls of me. The taste of war is ever dear. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh speaking, and you have just heard another Gospel Defender Ministries radio broadcast brought to you by the gifts of Christians and Churches of Christ who help us to preach all of the Word to all of the world. Remember, thus saith the Lord, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. So find someone today who will immerse you into Christ today before it is everlastingly too late. If you would like to receive a written transcript or an audio copy of today's message or be added to our mailing list for our bi-monthly Gospel Defender Journal, write to us today. All of these materials are free of charge with no obligation from you now or in the future. Our mailing address is Gospel Defender Ministries, Post Office Box 575, Chillicothe, C-H-I-L-L-I-C-O-T-H-E, Chillicothe, Ohio, 45601. You can also contact us through the World Wide Web at www.gospel-defender.com. O-R-G. We need to hear from you as soon as possible, so please take the time to do it right now. And now until next time, at this same time, our prayer is that you will be steadfastly set for the defense of the gospel. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.